then the other disciple who reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and what? And believed. He saw and believed. The essence of all this is for us to come in and to see and to believe. We must believe. We must believe. Believing is an integral part of the Christian life. Without believing, you cannot walk with the dispensation of God at this point in time. You must believe to the point where you experience him and know him, even without seeing him, even without touching him. You must believe, you must believe, you must believe. The structure of the Christian life is the act of believing. Jesus spent three years of his ministry trying to convince the disciples to believe. To believe. So they saw and they believed. What did they believe? That Jesus had been raised from the dead. This is the first time the human family is positioned to believe what never existed. No one has ever died and resurrected. But this time is the first time that the human family is presented with a, a very unique phenomenon to begin to conceptualize and accept its reality in itself. And so it's a new type of like say experience and when they believed they went back to go and testify so when we believe the end product of our believing is our testifying you cannot believe and not testify the litmus test to show that you truly believe it's not that you come to church, but because you testify. You testify not just with your words, you testify even with your life. Jesus came, carried out his ministry, his mission, died, now he has resurrected. If you believe this reality, something happens to you supernaturally. And on account of what happens to you supernaturally, you are catapulted into a new vista of life where you begin to live from the economy of your new understanding. On the strength of that, you begin to testify by word and by deed. Hallelujah. Amen. So the greatest enemy of man has been conquered. Jesus remains and continues to remain the firstborn from the dead. He's the first human being to break the bars of death. 
the bars of the grave. He's the first. So his name should appear in the Guinness Book of Record. As the first human being that went to the regions of death and came back. How? Human science cannot conceptualize this. It beats science. But in the realm of faith, is a possibility. Because the realm of faith is the realm of the supernatural. Who believe that there are other, you know, there are other dimensions that science cannot articulate. And that's why we have to be very careful that in believing, we try to use our scientific mind to see how we can size up the activities of faith. If you do that, you'll be limping. The act of faith, the act of believing is much, much wider in horizon more than science and technology. That is why sometimes when you are responding to the act of believing, they will tell you this is not rational. They will tell you, how can you be acting like this? You are being stupid or foolish. Because their science calculation cannot articulate that dimension and give them palpable working material. Science cannot understand how did Jesus come out from the grave after three days. But in the realm of the supernatural, we know vividly there are supernatural energies that see exist that we contact by full acceptance and yielding to that dimension. The Bible says Jesus was anointed and he went about doing good. Three things that mark the ministry of Jesus. In the first reading, we got that. He said, Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit and with what? Power. And he went about doing good, number one. Healing all those that were oppressed by the devil. Two, for God was with him. That's the mission of Jesus. That's what he came to accomplish for us. So we must be very careful not to allow ourselves miss the impact of the ministry and the life of Jesus. As we keep celebrating Easter over the years, there is a tendency that we, it becomes a mere religious activity that the impact of it does not really create the necessary transformation it should create, create in my life and in your life. We must be so connected to what we are doing that we can contact that same spirit that led Jesus to this activity and then gain a lot. We can gain a lot. And the impact of it in our spirit of faith can actually affect our lives, affect the practical things we do physically here. And the people of God, I want to just tell us that that is the mind of God. Because all that Jesus came to demonstrate was not for himself. He emptied himself. was not for himself. The Bible says, even though he was rich, he, he did what? He made himself. Can I hear you? Uh-huh. So that what? Good. So has he accomplished that? Yes. Good. So we must work in the economy of his what? 
the riches that he has laid for us. Now, when he went to the cross to die, he did commit the sin. But the Bible says that he who knew no sin was made sin. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. So that what? We may become the righteous ones of God. So he was made sin. How? When he died on the cross. Has he died? Yes. Has he been made sin? Yes. Have we made the righteous ones of God? Yes. Huh? Is it going to happen tomorrow or has it happened? So God expects you now, if you believe, to begin to operate from the economy of the righteousness of Christ. If you go, start you know, uh, uh, exercising under type of righteousness, you're on your own. God will not be held responsible or accountable to the consequences of what runs your life. Now, yesterday, while we're reflecting, the, the readings reminded us that when he died, we died with him. When he was buried, we were buried with him. And just as the Father raised him from the dead, we too, what has happened? Huh? To where? To where? To where? <laughs> We've been raised unto what? New life. Don't forget that. You're not just raised and you see that they raised you up and let you down. No. You were raised to a new life. And so when God is looking at you from heaven, this is what he is seeing. He is seeing the righteousness of Christ in your life. So all the complain about your negativities, that's your own. For him, he is seeing the life of the resurrection of you know, Christ in you. So when you are now complaining and talking about what is happening around you that is not consistent with what Jesus has accomplished, he can't understand what you are saying. So we must, which is the demand of our faith, to live lives and draw strength and wisdom and power from what God has accomplished for us in Christ. So God has raised us with Christ unto a new life. Different from the one you had before. Or are they the same? No. Are, you sure? are you sure? They are the same. Huh? No. They are different. Okay. What shall we call the first one? A, a life, right? The second one, B life. I'm just trying to give it a name, right? So Jesus said his own life is different from our own life. So the life of Christ has come, right? Yes. We believe that? How many believe here? Sure? Yes. Good. So the other life, where is it now? Dead. Dead. Are you sure? Yes. Nail it well. Nail it well. Eh? You have to nail it. You have to nail it very well to the cross. And when he tries to drag his hand out of the cross, what do you do? You nail it back. So the Bible now says, say, crucify the deeds of the body. They are not consistent with the life of Christ. That's where discipline, mortification, self-restraint comes in. So you cannot live the Christian life without discipline, without what? Self-restraint, without what? Self-control. That's the hallmark. As a matter of fact, that's where you now exercise mastery, mastery, mastery. You exercise mastery. 
and make sure that the old man that Christ crucified does not become rebellious and coming to harass you. Someone will say, but Father, if he's dead, why is he still shaking? God did not destroy it. God gave you something superior to it. I think I said it yesterday. God does not heal you. He gives you healing. The healing he has given to you is stronger than your sickness. God does not give you victory. Okay? But he puts something in you that is superior to your, your, the things contained with your life. God saw darkness. He said, what? He said darkness, go. What did he say? Let it be light. Amen. Yes. Are we together here? Yes. So that is what God, you know, makes provision for. So dying, he has destroyed our life. Rising, he has restored. So what is restored is more important than what has been destroyed. But many Christians are still celebrating, ah, die by fire. But what of restoring Christ? Which is the bigger investment of God. And Paul captures it well in the second reading. I don't know how you felt or what was going in your mind when you were listening to the second reading. It was burning inside me. Like, you know, I felt the, the ghost pimples running from my head down to my toe as I listened to the second reading as it was going on. So full of blessings. Wow. Mm. It says what? Brethren. Are we here? Yes. So who is Paul talking to right now? Not to the Roman church any longer. He's talking to the church in Nigeria. Hmm? To those who are in the spiritual center here right now. Brethren, may I answer now? You see, if you have been raised with, if, I mean, if you are part of this thing that have happened, if you have been raised with Christ, you see, seek the things that are above. So there's a new type of seeking that comes in. Before then, when we with others normal life, we would seek things here every day. We toil for food, toil for shelter, toil for money, and life ends there. We acquire things in this world and glorify ourselves on that realm. Men honor you for the material things you have acquired. You build a gigantic mansion. Ah, they praise you and say, well done. You have a new big office. They say they celebrate you. God has blessed you. You can buy a set of brand new cars. Ah, they celebrate you. Anytime a water you know, gives you anything that is, uh, you know, that has to do with his own class, you are celebrated. But when it comes to the mind of God and the agenda of God, not many are there. So Paul is now saying, with the new life you have received, there is a responsibility laid upon you to begin to also discover the interests of heaven. Are we here? Yes. Say thank you, Jesus. Thank you. So that's why he said, seek the things that are not on earth here. Yes, they could be there, secondary. But now, there's a new reshufflement of agenda. You begin now to seek the things of heaven. What is the mind of God? What is the agenda of heaven? What does God want to achieve at this point in time? How can I be part of that agenda? Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18 says, Come, let us reason together. You see, factor in into what God is doing. Become relevant, not just to the side of men, but also on the side of... I can't hear you. 
Uh-huh. Begin now to think, how can I become relevant to the, on the side of God? What impact am I making? If I'm to be weighed on a this, on this scale right now, am I way more on the side of men? Or am I way more on the side of... The way I'm calling God, eh? Let's don't be angry. On the side of... Uh-huh. <laughs> hmm? These are things that should begin to matter in our day-to-day life. As a priest of God, I know very well that just that I'm ordained is not enough to make me belong to God. But I carry out the priestly activities the way it is put down doesn't really make me relevant to God. I must also be able to understand as a person in relation to God what is the mind of God for me at this point in time. Just as Christ was anointed, he knew his, his mission. He came to do good, to set those who are in bondage free, and to pay the price of the liberation of humanity. And to conquer death. He knew. He said, I've come to do the will of my father. So that even when there were distractions, he knew what were distractions. He knew what was the work of his father. Your life should not be confused again as a child of God. You should know where you're coming from now. You should know where you're going. Many are still caught up with the things and the activities of this world. So caught up that they have no single agenda for the things of God. So Paul is now admonishing us, based on the new economy, based on the new life, he says, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. He says, set your minds on the things that are above. We are trusting the Holy Spirit to just identify a few of the things that should be our, our point of attraction now. For he says, you, for you have died. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. Paul's sentence here talks about two things at the same time. Very short but compact. Okay? He said, for you have died. He said you have died. Who has died? I'm asking a question now. Who has died? Don't answer for others, eh? Don't say us. Who has died? Me. You're not talking. Me. Church, are we here? Yes. Church, are we here? Yes. Oh, with a sleep. Hangover from the VG, right? Who has died here? Me. Okay, if you don't want to answer with your mouth, with your hand. Who has died here? The way I raise your hand, you're not sure of this, you know. Uh, people don't want to die. Eh? Can you imagine this? You are afraid of death, but they have said you have died already. So what are, what are you afraid of again? Who has died here? Tell, show God that the, the work of Christ is efficacious. Who has died? <laughs> Do we believe? Yes. I must drag you to believe. Do we believe? Have you died? Yes. Oh, yeah. Report to God with your hands straight, not bent. <laughs> Mommy, you're still dragging. You're not with us here. Say, I have died. I have died. Mommy, I'm not seeing your hand up. You see? You see what, what, you see what we're doing now? She's not keening. Huh? Oh, you think we're joking here? And just will show you this picture on the last day. Mark my word. 
angels will show you the picture of what is going on here right now. Who has died? Let me see your hands up. Say thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I have died in Christ. I have died in Christ. I have died in Christ. My life is in Christ now. My life is in Christ. Is hidden in Christ. And Christ is hidden in God. Amen. Let me tell you. You see what you have said now. You know the amount of paralysis you have brought into the realm of the ministry of death. Okay, let me just, in one minute, share with you something that God showed me many years ago. I used to have a lot of trouble with issues. Many of them. I can't mention all of them now. But God began to show me the power of my tongue in relation to him. If you knew when I was very young, in the range of 10, 15, 20, you will marvel at the difference that have taken place so far. You cannot just imagine. Is that the same person that is this way like, no, this way now? I've come a long way. And I I, I, I sought ways to solve my problem. It was a very big one. But God taught me how to start saying simple words that are rooted in him. I said something a few minutes ago that if you want to walk with God, don't walk with yourself in mind. We've been raised in a very scientific world where everything we think is science. And that's this, the, the life, what, what they call the life of the pragmatic life or the empirical life, where it is what you see, what you hear, what you touch that you believe. And anything outside that ambience becomes very difficult for you to conceptualize. But when it comes to faith, it's completely different. It's a different ballgame. Where you accept things without touching them. Where you believe things without seeing them. They become even more real to you than what you see. Yes, that's that realm. So if you're not able to make the necessary transition from your confidence in the practical things, and come into the realm of faith, the Bible says, without faith, no one can see God. It's not a joke. So where God dwells is the realm of faith. Not in the realm of reason. Many of us are trying to reason this out. And so you argue your blessings out. You argue God out of your life. You argue his government out of your life because you want to factor it in, in first, in your mind. Is it this way? Is it that way? And then you continue to have the inner battle. Let me tell you, the devil himself is a logician. Logic has to do with rationality. And he's a grandmaster in that area. And so when you dwell in the realms of reason, he knows how to engage you and beat you down all the time. You can't win him. So that's why the only way to beat him is to transfer to faith. When he comes there, he gets confused. Because the faith dimension in the devil had been paralyzed when he was cursed. That's why when you speak the word of God to the devil, he paralyzes him. He can't withstand the audacity in the word of God. These are little things that many Christians don't understand. And their lives are being rubbish every day. So you must understand that. When we make simple confessions, especially that is rooted in the word of God, it has a lot of spiritual impact. 
Jesus said the words are spoken to you. They are what? Spirits. So what we just said now, we just voiced out spirits. And it's floating from the mouth of those who have voiced them out out of faith. And it goes into your spirit realm to start doing things in your stead. We have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb. Good. Have you died? Yes. Have you died? Yes. Have you died? Yes. Can they kill death again? No. <laughs> I won't take you further. I won't take you further from there. <laughs> yes, sir. You get confused again. But as you go further, you begin to see other dimensions. And we must walk in it. It has been given to us by God. It has been delivered. Death has no power again. Death will not take us by surprise. When we are going to die, we should know. We should be consulted. God will tell you, my son, get yourself prepared. Your time is over. You will know. But when the devil comes and cuts your life short, it's a misnomer. Are you getting my point? One of my friends just died a few months ago. The guy used to say it. He said, I will not die until I have reached this year. He used to say the year is going to die. He kept saying it. He said, no matter what happens, I will die as so year. He kept saying it, kept saying it, kept saying it. This guy suffered so many things. When that year came, he called his children. I said, I have been telling you guys, please come back home. They all came and he blessed them. They all went back. Two months after that, he died. Where was the devil? The angel told Simeon, he said, you will not see death until you have seen the Christ. God has not changed. God has not changed. But because we are still trying to figure him out in our rationality, and we see him as a, a despot entity, hey, daddy, he doesn't force himself into your life. So Paul is saying what? He said, we have died. I have died. He said, and your life, say my life, my life. is hidden, hidden with, Christ. with Christ and Christ in God. So that's a double protection you have received. So first you have died. So death, when death comes with his commodity, he can't see you. On, that, on, on the strength of that, you will always testify based on this new life you have received. When anything death comes around your life, no matter how it presents itself, open your mouth. Don't start saying, ha, who will pray for me? Open your mouth first. There's a faith content inside you. I shall not die. I shall live. And recount the goodness of God. Paul, Peter, uh, uh, David said it. And he worked in that economy. Testify what you believe. Allow your convictions to dominate your condition. Don't allow your condition change your convictions. Did you hear me? If we believe we dominate our lives by what we have believed in. We don't allow circumstances to come and change what we believe. You know, you see people, they run from pillar to post because the pressure of circumstances makes them change their belief. Someone will tell you, you don't put all your eggs in one basket. The person where they help himself, now in God they help. 
and they diversify the source of their support. And the Bible says, what a, how mighty will be their fall. But those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion that cannot be shaken. As the mountain surrounds Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people. Are you seeing him right now around you? No, but his presence is like the mountain. Amen. Now says, when Christ, who is our life. Paul, Paul was, some, some, was some, somebody else. Eh? He said, when Christ, who is our life. Can you mark that? When Christ, who is our life. So my life is Christ. My life is Christ. My life is Christ. That is the Easter celebration. My life now is Christ. I'm driving out. My life is what? Begin to grow this consciousness. That is your faith. When you say have faith, it means this is the content of your faith. My life is Christ. My life is Christ. You wake up in the morning. My life is Christ. You're in your office. Praise you so much. My life is Christ. There's a bad news that has been given to you and you're breaking down. Let your voice, let your heart roar. My life is Christ. This is how you live by the testimony of the finished work of Christ. All of a sudden, fear grips your heart from nowhere. My life is Christ. Anywhere you find yourself, there is a crisis in the family and something is cropping up. My life is Christ. If you don't know what to say, just testify of the finished work of Christ. Whatever you say is taken as a raw material. And the Holy Spirit will begin to fabricate it in the spiritual realm for you. And on account of what it's doing in the spiritual realm, it will help to affect the affairs of your physical realm. These are things that many Christians don't know. Say, my life is Christ. Say, my life is Christ. Yeah. Let that become your consciousness. This consciousness is stronger than anything you can think of. It's stronger than anything. It's stronger than any gem. It's stronger than any bullet. It's stronger than any circumstances that will come and hit you. Even when you are dying, keep confessing, my life is Christ. That's your testimony. You are stepping on an airplane. And you, you, you begin to tremble. Your high blood pressure, you know, your blood pressure starts rising. My life is Christ. You see, as long as your consciousness is in Christ, fear will not grip your heart. Why we're having issues is that we become so conscious of ourselves that Christ is not, is not having a space in our consciousness. Your life is not your own. David said, the Lord is my light and my help. Whom shall I fear? 
the Lord is the stronghold of my life. Before whom will I shrink from? Wow. So my life is hidden in Christ. Yes. And then Christ is hidden in God. Double protection. Double protection. And that says, when Christ appears, when Christ who is our life appears, then you also, say you also, also. we appear with him in glory. I try to act this out sometime in my room. I'll just be, you know, like a kid. I'll say, Jesus, you mean when you appear in your glory, right? In the glory of your power with all the angels and we'll be trembling. He said, no, you will not tremble. Because I'll be in you. The Father will, I'll be in you and my Father will be glorifying you in, glorifying me in you. No what I just says, when he appears, we shall be like him. We shall be like Jesus. Is it conceivable? How is it going to happen? So that's why, if you understand this, devil of God, your life can never remain the same. Your Christian faith will not be an addendum to your life. But rather, your, your life activities here will become an addendum to your Christian faith. You see, many live their lives in such a way that their Christian faith is like a, a decoration. Every Saturday, they go and dust it. And on Sunday, they will pick the flower. And then they go to church. When they have finished the church activities, what happens? They come back home. They go and hang it somewhere again. And then live their life the way they want. That should not be so. And this is not God's agenda for us. We must be waxed strong in the content of the finished work of Christ. And we bless God for this opportunity has given to us to be partakers of his glory in Christ Jesus. And this is the hope of all believers that will walk in the economy of the new life. The economy of the new life. The life of Christ is in me. That life will flow into all I do to flow into my career, to flow into my family, to flow into my children. I become conscious of this deposit of God's investment. It's a huge investment God has made. And that investment cannot be jeopardized. I must cooperate with the demands of this life that God has given to me. Amen. 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 So this becomes your what? Your testimony. Because you believe this whole thing and you know you are a partaker of the reality of his resurrection, your mouth must speak. That's the good news. The good news is that you have received that life. On account of that, you will testify. By your words, you will testify. By your life, you will not ask God. You know, many Christians, when they are still not yet conscious of this, they keep asking for grace. God, give me grace. God, give me grace. But when he gave you the life of his son, you are full of grace. So take advantage of the grace of God that God has put in you when you believed. That was what was telling Timothy. So you take advantage of it. He's there already. He's there. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. So Christ is already there. So he said, I can do it. All things. All things. All things. In every area of my life, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. 
Christ is in you. He's strengthening you more and more every day. He's strengthening you. You have a new strength inside of you. That strength is not just this, you know, spiritually. That strength strengthens your bones. That strength has ability to energize your blood. That strength has ability to help your organs that are failing to receive new, you know, incursion, new blessings. That strength can influence your body. Yesterday, Paul talked about it. Romans chapter 8, verse 11. If the spirit of the one that rose Jesus from the dead dwells in you, that same spirit, say that same spirit, that same spirit. will give life, will give life. To, our to our mortal bodies. So this is a dream of God. And this is what he's expecting to see in our lives every day. Like a farmer who has planted his seed and is waiting for the seeds to start germinating and producing fruits. This is what God is waiting for every day to see in your life and see in my life. And it's Jesus saying, any branch in me that bears no fruit, this type of fruit, my father will be angry one day and do what? And we cut it away. But any branch that bears fruit or the testimony or the finished work of Christ, he said, my father prunes that he may what? Bear even more. And so we come in humility this morning. We come with faith to appreciate the investment of God in our individual lives to the passion, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And we celebrate the Easter and then testifying that we are going to make sure that whatever Christ has done will not be a failure in our lives. And so from now henceforth, we begin to live the Easter life, the resurrected life, having our minds on the things of heaven, seeking the things and the agenda of heaven, seeking first the kingdom of God as a priority and the righteous demand of it. And knowing that on the strength of this, every other thing, our career will take a new vista. Our investment will take a new vista. God will say, I will add every other thing to your life. And so now you know where I'm coming from. You know where I'm going. Holy Spirit, thank you for your presence. Thank you for what you are doing right now. And even as we believe, may you strengthen our faith. May you, you know, strengthen our faith. May you bless us with the wisdom to hold on to this great job of God in our lives. And every day, bear the fruit that is expected. We make our prayers through Christ our Lord.